0: Good afternoon, church. Brother Daryl reminded me that I have the hardest slot because everyone's eight and they're sleepy and they're gonna nod off. And I think the hardest part for me is that I don't get to eat a lot at lunch because I know that I'll be up here gasping and belching, so i have to really practice some discipline. But that food was uh, was very delicious. So thank you, ladies, and thank you uh, folks of the church. Very grateful, uh, Pastor Little, for... Just extravagant hospitality for you and the saints of uh, Dominion. Um, just very generous to me and my family already, and we're grateful for that, encouraged by that. Um, oftentimes concerned how the ministry, what, what impact it'll have on on my family and my children. Um, not not just a negative impact, but I'm just concerned how it'll impact them uh, in the future. Um, and so they were encouraged by the gifts last night too, and thereby I was encouraged uh, for your kindness that you've shown them. Uh, I was talking to, to Brother Darrell outside, we we're doing a little reminiscing, and uh, he reminded me of the first time how I heard about this fellowship, uh, and uh, Brother Gary Bell uh, took me uh, over to to Brother Daryl's church there in Pulaski, Tennessee, and I met so many of even the faces that are here today that you've continued to just be faithful through the years. Uh, Brother Terry, thankful for your faithfulness for over four decades. I'm sure there were ebbs and flows and highs and lows, and uh, just a we're easy to start something and quit something, uh, and so thank you uh, for your faithfulness, and uh, may the Lord be pleased uh, to give us uh, many more decades. Uh, I'm grateful my wife and children are here, um, and then my mother is here with us as well. She's been a huge blessing to our ministry as we travel. Uh, I'm no longer pastoring full-time. I had a church. The Lord has called us back into the streets and back into our itinerant ministry. Uh, and so uh, I was talking uh, with the brother here earlier, and we 're about fifty fifty we 're we're, we're at pulpit supply and uh, and preaching at conferences and helping out pastors, encouraging churches, giving pastors breaks uh, and other fifty percent we 're in the streets we 're at sporting events we 're in front of abortion clinics we 're going into the highways and the byways and, and bidding uh, bidding his sheep to be reconciled um, now that 's the interesting thing is that we never see in scripture. Goats turning into sheep. Uh, but we see going out and gathering the sheep and, and bringing the sheep back in. And so we know His sheep hear His voice. Uh, and so we, we go out and we bid them come. Uh, so I just want to avail myself to you pastors and you churches that are represented in, uh, however we can serve you in whatever capacity. Uh, that's, that's our heart's goal, our, whole, our heart's desire is to serve you. Um, and then lastly, every time I'm invited to, to preach uh, at a conference like this, uh, in front of uh, those brothers that have so well handled the word this morning, um, and I'm just I'm just painfully aware of my unworthiness. Um, there there are better and well learned men than myself. Um, I'm not worthy, uh, but I do know this: uh, my worth is in Christ, uh, and and the Word. It works. Uh, so let's turn our hearts and, and our minds uh, to uh, the prayer and the Word. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, who's worthy of, of such things? Our great God and our great King. Lord, we trust that You'll be here with us. We trust that Your Spirit will accompany the Word as it always has before. Lord, not because we take it for granted, but because You're faithful. Because, Lord, You're jealous for Your Word. You're always true. You're always right. You are a firm foundation through the ages. Oh, ancient of days. How glorious You are. How kind You are in Your providences towards Your people. How faithful You are. Lord, we need You moment by moment, day by day. Lord, we repent, we, we ask forgiveness of, of the times we act as if we don't need you, Lord. Just practically living, we live as if we don't need you at times, Lord. Our, far, our, our thoughts are far from you, Lord, so forgive us. We, just, we, we fall at your feet. You are the great I am and we are nothing. Give us truth, truth, eternal life, words of life from your word, eternally established in the heavens speak to us be near to us may we may we sense you in greater measure in Christ's holy name amen well if you open your bible with me this afternoon to Hebrews chapter 3 Hebrews chapter 3 we're at verses 1 through 6 I asked if there was a preferred text I was given freedom for for several years I preached from the New American Standard, uh, but in recent times uh, I begin to favor the New King James Version. So, if I continue to hang around with you fellows, you may just get me there. <laughs> so very very excited to look forward to God's Word. Hebrews chapter three we will begin in verse one. Let me remind you, church, that this is the very Word of God. His Word is inerrant; it contains no errors. It's infallible, it cannot be wrong, and it's inspired. And so we can trust it. it really is the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the Apostle and High Priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to Him who appointed Him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all of his house as a servant, for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence, and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. May God bless the reading and the hearing of His Word. So as we continue through the book of Hebrews, uh, we're reminded that this book is, is concerned with the, the supremacy, the, the excellencies, the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. This book encourages us to, to keep trusting in Jesus To keep looking to that supreme and uh, superior, this this more excellent Savior. Hebrews also uses comparison uh, to show how much better Jesus is than anything else. There's there's really no comparison. So this afternoon, we will see Jesus compared to Moses. Uh, But first we'll see who we are then the comparison of Moses, and then lastly, we'll be encouraged to look to Christ, or as the Scripture says, to consider Jesus. And to to hold fast to that confidence, firm to the end. Look at verse 1 with me. Chapter 3 of Hebrews. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, Consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Therefore, holy brethren. Did you you catch what he called believers? Holy brethren. Through Jesus Christ, we have been made his brothers, his holy brothers. He has sanctified us, we've been set apart to holiness. And we are being set apart to holiness. Jesus, our elder brother, and He's not ashamed to call us family, to call us His brothers. Later in one of the brother's texts, we'll see that He's not ashamed to sing of us in the assembly. Christ would would sing of us. He would not be ashamed to call us brothers. A lot of us have perhaps some people in our families that, Might be a little ashamed of. We we might not be proud to carry the same last name or if someone approaches us and and says, oh, do you know so-and-so? Are you related to so-and-so? Sometimes perhaps we're hesitant depending on the individual to, I don't really know where this conversation's going so I'm not sure if I'm ready to link myself to them. (laughs) Maybe a face has come to your mind in that brief explanation. But to think, the Lord of all glory, the eternal Son of God. Not ashamed to call the believer a holy brother. We can meditate on that the rest of our lives. Holy brethren. Holy brothers. And we're holy because we've been cleansed from our sins by Christ Jesus' sacrifice. So first you see we're called holy. And second, that you're a brother. And that's not just in Jesus Christ, but that you're a brother to Jesus Christ. As Scripture says, He's not ashamed to call us brethren, to call us family, brother, and sister. But by the grace, you've been brought into the family of God. As a believer, you've been adopted into the family of God. And oftentimes, we skip over that adoption when we speak of the things of salvation and the realities of grace, sometimes adoption is just kind of skipped over or forgotten. We've been adopted. We've been brought. Brought into the family of God. And third, you're you're a partaker. Holy brethren partakers of the heavenly calling. You're a sharer in the heavenly calling. This is a future reward and it is not only confined to here and now, but you're a part of a heavenly, eternal calling. And you have purpose. There is a destiny. You're a partaker, a sharer in a heavenly calling. Holy brethren, you've been consecrated. You must be devoted to Christ. You must be set apart as a Christian. You're adopted as God's people. The word saint means the same thing. For the true child of God, we have the same Father and belong to the same family. We are the adopted sons of God. The brethren of Christ. Brethren of each other. Brethren of the Apostles. And we are holy. Not by birth, natural birth, not by even external separation from other people or other worlds and nations, but through the sanctification of the Spirit and by our profession. Holy. Holy brothers. And if you're like me, hey, you may be thinking, who, me? You're talking about me? I'm holy? I'm Christ's brother. I have a heavenly calling on my life. Are you sure? Are you serious? Yes. 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 You must realize who you are in Jesus Christ. You need to realize what the the perfect sacrifice is, the implications, the realities, the truths. Because of the Gospel, you've been forgiven. You've been made holy. You've been made a brother to Jesus. You are a co-heir with Christ. You've been given a heavenly calling. You've been called to be a partaker, to be a sharer. And you may be thinking, well, I sure don't feel very holy. And I don't feel like a brother to Christ. And to be honest, there are times I don't even feel like a friend much more a brother. Oh, I understand that. Believe me, I understand that. But you need to realize that this life, the Christian life, isn't just based on emotions. It's not all all about feelings. But faith says if you are a believer, if you are a born-again child of God, if you've placed all that you have, all that you are, in Christ, then you're all three of those things. They're a reality. That you're holy, that you're a brother, and that there's a heavenly calling upon your life. And all three of those things are true whether you feel like it or not. They're true. You're holy, you're a brother, and you're a partaker in this heavenly calling upon your life. Not because of anything that you've done but by God's grace through the work of Christ Jesus. The Christian life begins in faith, it continues in faith, and it ends in faith. Now, now if you're not a believer, you must know that you cannot live the Christian life. And by that, I mean, you can't live like a Christian unless you are a Christian. That makes sense, right? You can't be something unless you are something. And even though that is basic and it sounds simple and elementary, there are people in churches all across the world who try to do it. Perhaps there are some even here this afternoon. You keep trying to live the Christian life, but it just doesn't seem to work. The power of God is not in your life. So to live this Christian life, you first must be a Christian. Again, it sounds basic. There are many, many who try to live a Christian life without ever believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why sin has mastered them. That is why no matter how hard that, that they try, they never see any progress. That's why the same sin continues to entangle them. That is why they secretly and even openly love their sins. That is why their true colors show in times of despair because we have unbelievers trying to live the Christian life without the power of God. And if you've not been born again, the Holy Spirit does not indwell you with that power from on high, and you cannot live the Christian life apart from Christ. That's how the world is, isn't it? They want the peace that Christians have. They want the assurance that Christians have. They want the joy that Christians have. They want the acceptance that Christians have. They want the forgiveness that Christians have. They even want the camaraderie and the sweet fellowship that we have. And yet, they're unwilling to bow the knee to King Jesus and surrender it all to Him. They're unwilling to turn from their sins to a living God. The Christian life begins in faith, it's continued in faith, and it is finished in faith. And this heavenly calling is a a call to the enjoyment of heavenly things as well as a call that comes from heaven. But as our call is from heaven, this heavenly calling is from heaven, it's also a call to heaven. Christ is sent as a messenger to lead us to the heavenly country. This heavenly calling truly is a call to heaven. In verse 1, Continues there. Consider the Apostle and High Priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. We're told to consider Jesus. The word consider there comes with it the understanding of fix your thoughts. Fix our thoughts. To pay close attention to Jesus. Jesus. To consider Him. To to pay close attention to what is said by Him. Consider Jesus. Recognize Jesus. Pay specific attention to Jesus. Fix your eyes, your glance, your gaze, your longing look to Jesus. To turn your eyes upon Jesus. Consider Him. And transfix your thoughts on him. To meditate on him. To look to him. To dwell on him. To focus on him. To ponder Jesus. If we just take just a, a second to kind of self assess, would we say that we do that? Do we truly fix our eyes on Jesus? Do we, do we truly consider Christ Jesus? Do we truly meditate? Consider to pay close and specific attention to Jesus. One commentator said, The word consider is important for it intimates that singular attention is required. And that at the same time, the true knowledge of Christ is sufficient to dissipate the darkness of all errors. The true knowledge of Christ is sufficient to dissipate all errors. Do you know Him? Do you know Christ? Have you transfixed and considered Christ? He dissipates all errors and leads us to all truth. It's not this single act of the mind just to, to think briefly, but it is to truly think on, to understand, but it's also a repeated, to think again and again, to continually look to Christ. So we're to consider Jesus. And what is he specifically called here in verse 1? Partakers of the heavenly calling is our second phrase. Consider, who were to consider The apostle and high priest of our confession. Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. This is the only place in the entire Bible that Jesus is called an apostle. But it's a perfect description, of course. It's accurate, of course, to use this word. Apostle means agent. Apostle means ambassador. Jesus is the ambassador between God and man. Jesus is the, the spokesperson. God has spoken to us through his Son. Right back in chapter 1, verse 2: In these last days, God has spoken to us in his Son. An apostle is one who is sent, a, a messenger. Jesus was sent by the Father to be the Savior. He was sent by God to accomplish salvation for all the believing ones. He's also called the High Priest. Jesus took on human nature and offered Himself as the sacrifice for the cleansing of the sins. In the Old Testament, the the High Priest represented the people to God. So, just as Jesus Christ is the apostle, he is sent to us from God. He is our high priest. He is our representative also back to God. He is our mediator, our go between, so that we can have communion with God. He represents God to us and us to God. And how did he do that? He put on flesh, fully God, fully man. God sent His Son to us and He fills the role of Apostle and High Priest. Moses was a prophet and a teacher. Aaron was a priest. But these two offices in their fullest sense belong to Christ. Look at verse 2. Who was faithful to Him. Who appointed Him. And so now we begin to to move into this comparison between Jesus and Moses. So we see that Jesus was faithful. So we're talking about Him here. Notice that the H is capitalized. That Jesus was faithful to the Father who appointed Him. And Moses was also faithful in His house. Not Moses' house, the H is also capitalized there, but in God's house, Moses was faithful. God's house, the people of God. Look at verse 3. So we continue this thought. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. And as much as he who built the house has more honor than the house. So Jesus is more worthy of more glory than Moses. Just like the builder of the house has more honor than the house. Moses and Jesus are not on the same level. Both were faithful to their callings, but Jesus is worthy of more glory than Moses. Jesus, who is the builder of the house, deserves more honor and glory than Moses, who is just a member of the house. So we see both Jesus and Moses were faithful. As we're told here, Moses also was faithful in in God's house. Jesus and Moses faithful, but Jesus built the house. It's through Jesus that the people of God are established. Jesus is the builder. Jesus is the owner. Jesus is the possessor of the house. Moses, if you will, in an earthly way, ruled the church or ruled the people of God in an earthly way. And yet, he was still merely just a part and a member of the people of God. But Christ, being the builder, is superior to the whole building. Moses, while ruling others, was ruled also himself. But Christ, being the eternal Son of God, possesses supreme power. There's no comparison. Look at verse 4. For every house is built by someone, but He who built all things is God. God is the Creator. And when we put this verse together back with verse 3 that says Jesus is the builder of the house, this verse says that God is the builder of all things. We now see that Jesus, since He's the builder of the house, Jesus is God. Jesus is God in the fullest sense. The Father is God in the fullest sense. The Spirit is god in the fullest sense did you see that flow there in verse 3 and 4 for this one has been counted worthy of more glory than moses inasmuch he who built the house has more honor than the house for every house is built by someone but he who built all things is god this text is screaming from the pages jesus is god no apologies we need to be precise. We need to handle the Word of God. We need to define words. Jesus is God. Jesus is not the Father. The Father is not Jesus. The Spirit is not the Father. The Father is not the Spirit. But Jesus is God. And incarnate here, as He came, putting on flesh fully God and fully man, how can it be? It is. It is. What a provider. What a way. What a Savior. Fully God and fully man. Taking the place of all those that will believe. Satisfying the just wrath of the Father. Look at verse 5. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. Moses was a faithful servant in in God's house. Moses was a testimony of things to come. God had sent Moses to deliver His people from Egypt. And now we have Jesus as God's final messenger as this great deliverer of God's people. Moses was was just merely a temporary example of a Savior that was to come. Moses was a, a faithful servant in God's house. But he was a servant. But Christ, Christ, though He put on the form of a servant, He is the Master and the Lord over all. He is preeminent. Verse 6. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Did you see that at the beginning of verse 6? But Christ is, a faith, is faithful as a son over God's house. Right? Moses was a servant in God's house, Christ is a son over God's house. Christ built it. Moses is merely a part of it. Christ has more glory. Christ is a son. Moses is a servant. Christ is over the house. Moses is just in the house. Jesus over His own house. Moses in the house of another. And this house refers to believers who worship Christ. It is the very church itself. The, the, the body in the last part of verse 6, whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Whose house we are if we hold fast. If we hold fast. This is telling you, this is telling me, telling us how we can know Someone belongs, how we can know if we belong to the house of God. Their faith proves itself by persevering. This is also a note of warning. He's saying, Hold on, hold on. You you may face great opposition. Pay attention. This is this is a note of warning. This is not only a warning, but it's also encouragement and motivation. Scripture saying, do not quit. Keep moving forward. Keep trusting. Don't stop. Keep looking to Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Considering Jesus. Do not stop now. No matter how hard it gets, and it will get hard. And no matter how dark and how quiet and how lonely it gets, and believe me, brothers and sisters, those seasons will come. He's saying, set your eyes on, your confidence in, your hope on who? Jesus. If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end, They that have true hope. Those that have true faith. Those with this confidence shall keep them to the end. And therefore, they are the house of God. We have hope through this grace that has been wrought in us. and We are to rejoice in this hope of the glory of God. And we can use this freedom. We can use this boldness at the throne of grace. But brothers and sisters, because we have this great confidence, because we have this boldness to come into the presence of God, confidence does not equal casualness. There's not this casualty with God. Just eh, whatever goes. He's the holy God of all glory. Do we fear Him? I think that's one of the greatest doctrines that the church lacks in this age is there is no fear for God. The fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of God. And let us not water that Word down. Though it does mean reverent and it does mean respect, it does mean fear. Let no man water that Word. Let your conscience not water that Word down. Do we fear God? And we have confidence and we have assurance. But we don't stroll in there casually. But with great confidence. Great confidence. Great assurance. And this, this holy confidence is from the love of God. From the salvation of Christ. And we go on, we continue in these graces to the very end of our days. We continue in them. I want you to pay close attention to what this verse is saying. It's saying that believers are part of God's house if they endure in faith to the end. Believers must not abandon their confidence. They must not abandon their hope for they belong to the Son who reigns over all. He's saying if you endure to the end, you are God's house. He's not saying if you endure to the end, then you will be His house. There's a difference there. If you hold fast to the end, you are. Not you will be, but you are. And you've always been if you hold fast. If they persevere, if we persevere, if I persevere, if you persevere unto the end, then you are God's household. Believers in Jesus Christ must hold on to their faith until the end. And we know that Scripture tells us that Jesus Christ is both the author and the finisher of our faith. The author, the originator, the original source, the beginner, the establisher is the author and the finisher of our faith. And as a true Christian, we keep believing. We keep believing. If you're a part of God's family, then you hold on to the end. And if you don't hold on to the end, that's a sure sign you are never in the family of God. We need to be reminded of this because sometimes it's just, it's just really hard to keep moving. It's really hard to continue to consider Jesus. Sometimes our faith is very weak. Weak. Sometimes it doesn't feel like everything is working together for our good. Sometimes it really does feel like our prayers bounce off the ceiling and land on the floor. Sometimes it's even hard to pray. Sometimes it seems nearly impossible to take the next step. But here is God speaking through the book of Hebrews, telling us to consider Jesus. He's saying, Think on Jesus. Get him out of his box you keep trying to put him in. And look at him. Examine him. Think on him. Think of his power, of his glory, of his eternal worth. Look at what Jesus has done and who he is and what he is doing. And trust all of his promises. They're all true are all yes and amen in christ how often do we do that in the midst of troubles that overwhelm us do we intentionally deliberately set our eyes on jesus is he truly your confidence and hope have you considered jesus we don't give up hope we we keep trusting we keep believing the christian keeps looking to jesus because he alone is worthy he's worthy of all glory he's worthy of all honor he's worthy of all praise jesus is the faithful apostle and high priest he's the only one who can go before the father and give us right standing he's the only one who can pay the debt that we all owed He's the only one who can appease the just wrath of God. He's the only one whose righteousness we need. Consider Him, believer. Consider Him who has made you a holy brother and a partaker in a heavenly calling. What glory! And to think that our High Priest is also the sacrifice That old the old covenant is the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies once a year. He never once thought about, well, I'll climb up on that altar myself. The book of Hebrews tells us that he had to atone for his own sins and the sins of the people. That human high priest did in the old covenant. But not our king, not our apostle, not our high priest. He's the high priest, and he's the sacrifice an unbeliever that has come into our midst, I simply and confidently point you to Jesus Christ and tell you to consider Him. You will find no one or nothing more lovely, more pure, more worthy of all worship, There's no other Savior. He is the way and He is the truth. And He is the life. And no man can come to the Father except through Him. And He is Lord. This nonsense of make Him Lord of your life. He is Lord. He's the Lord of all glory. He's the Lord of all things. He created all things. He's all powerful. He is the Lord. He's always been the Lord. He's the Lord of lords. And if He is your Savior, then He is your Lord. No divorcing that. He is the Lord. and As a grace-wrought child of God, we bow the knee to Him now. And we confess Him openly and happily, with much joy in our heart that He is the Lord. And for those whose hearts are hardened, they will meet Him in the final day. And they'll crush their knee and they'll bow the knee and they'll confess that He was Lord all along. Just not their Lord in a saving way. But He is the Lord. He is the Apostle. He is the High Priest. And He's nothing even comparable to any of this on earth. Above all, preeminent. Worthy. Worthy of our lives. Worthy of our highest thoughts. Worthy of our affections. Worthy of our service. Worthy of our time. Worthy of our finances. Worthy of our highest thoughts. Worthy of our energy. energy, Worthy of our confidence until the final day when we behold Him. Consider Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, how merciful You are. How long-suffering You are. How patient and kind You are. Forgive us when we are flippant. Forgive us when we consider other avenues as if there is any other way. Forgive us when all the allurement and, and the glitz and the glamour distract us. Oh, set our eyes on You. Enable us by Your Spirit to transfix our thoughts on You and embolden us to take it to the nations. May we not be ashamed, O oh God. We have the truth. May we stand in it and may we proclaim it. Oh, be merciful, merciful to Your church. Christ, perfect name. Amen.